podcast to improve quality and standards of individual and family life. I'm your host, Dr. Lowe, and I want to welcome you and thank you for joining me today. I'd like to say a special thank you to those of you who have supported this new podcast and who have listened to the previous episodes and some of you who have even requested specific topics for me to cover that you feel would be most beneficial to you and your individual and family life. So with that being said, I have heard your request and I'm here to deliver. So today we're going to be talking about communication and relationships. So if you would like to eliminate those destructive communication patterns and practice principles of more effective communication in order to resolve conflict, then don't go anywhere. I've got the plug for you. We have a special guest with us today. I'd like to introduce all of my listeners to my husband, Daniel Kincaid. Say what's up to the people, husband. Greetings, greetings. I invited you today uh, to have this discussion with me on communication in relationships. And really, I just wanted to have an alternative perspective. Um, On my last episode, I talked about marital success And what I learned from the individuals who participated in those interviews is that across the board, almost everyone thought that effective communication was just really important to have success in relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, I also had a, a listener reach out to me and explain that she was really struggling to communicate effectively with her, her partner and wanting to improve in that area. Um, so Ultimately, that's kind of what inspired me to have this discussion. Um, I know from experience, and I'm sure that you can also agree, that establishing effective communication in any relationship is a hard thing to do. So from your experience, what are some of the challenges that you've had in, in this area? Well, one thing I struggle with is trying to balance feelings and emotions between the both of us. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to do anything that's going to cause a block in communication that may cause you to shut down, mm-hmm. uh, feel attacked, or go on defensive. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see how that can be a challenge. <laughs> Not because I'm difficult, but just because. Okay. <laughs> um, I think one of my challenges is that I tend to bottle my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's something that I have done for a a number of years. So that's why it's such a challenge. And I really just have to be very deliberate to not do it. Um, Just because it's not healthy for me. And it's just not in the best interest of our relationship overall. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that I continue to work on. To try to be a more effective communicator. Mm -hmm. Timing also plays a big role. When communicating, you know, mm-hmm. they say it's a time and place for everything. 
So it's not always best if you're amongst family members, friends, out at a social event to address a problem or a situation. So you must be aware of the time and place mm-hmm. yeah. when trying to communicate. I definitely agree with that. And primarily because I think when you address conflict in public, it just tends to not end well. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually there's an audience and, you know, to avoid, you know, being embarrassed, you may tend to try to one up your partner or the person that you're in conflict with. Um, and it just doesn't demonstrate respect for the other person in most cases. So if I can say that is one of the things that I really value about our relationship because we are, or at least we try to be very intentional about trying to demonstrate respect for one another Mm -hmm. in the way that we communicate and address our conflicts. Yeah. I agree. Okay. um, One of the other things that I wanted to talk with you about was this notion of gender differences in communication. And the reason why I bring this up is because I was reading some research by Dr. Deborah Tannen and She's worked as a professor of linguistics at Georgetown University. And what she found with the sample that she used in her research was that men tend to report talk. And by definition, it's just that um, they kind of focus on exchanging information and there's very little emotion. Whereas women tend to report talk, that's R-E-P-P-O-R-T, where there's just kind of an emphasis on establishing connections. So what are your thoughts on that? I feel that has some truth. It goes back to the old notion that women are more emotional and tend to think and lead with emotion. Mm-hmm. But as gender roles have changed and society has changed, mm-hmm. I think that also has changed. Um, I feel people who report talk, mm-hmm. they're more focused on the subject and the matter at hand. Mm-hmm. And those who report talk tend to that emotion lead them, which causes branches mm-hmm. in the conversation and tends to make people veer off from what's at hand and bring other things into the conversation. Yeah, and then you end up talking about something that happened last week as That's opposed to <laughs> the conflict at hand. Exactly. And also, I feel that when emotions are really high, that leaves a lot up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. So you oftentimes... Um, they misinterpret what's being said, which can also lead to miscommunication as well. Very much true. Yeah. So with all of that being said, I mean, what are some things that you would offer to couples or individuals who want to become more effective communicators? First thing I will offer is, or say, know your partner. Find Mm -hmm. out what triggers them um, and how they react to those triggers. Once you know your partner, it'll be easier to communicate with them. I would say practice the three S's. I just thought about this. And that will be uh, selflessness, mm-hmm. sacrifice, and separation. So you have to set your feelings aside sometimes. You have to set aside that you may be right in order to effectively deliver the message you're trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. And the separation... You have to separate the way you communicate with your spouse from the way you communicate with your friends, uh, family members, coworkers, et cetera, because the relationship you have with your spouse is 
totally different from any other relationship that you have mm -hmm. with anybody else. Right. And you cannot communicate with your spouse the same way you communicate with outside people. Mm -hmm. Well, that's helpful. And I'm glad that you explained separation, you know, because I thought for a minute there that you were trying to return me and... Thought about it. <laughs> and I threw away the receipt, you know, so you can return me if you wanted to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think some things that I would add would be to avoid hurtful behaviors, mm -hmm. you know, like name calling or hitting below the belt, just things that you know are going to lead to more conflict. Um, also taking responsibility for your role in the conflict and not focusing on who was right or who was wrong, but just trying to establish mutual understanding so that you can overcome those challenges. And I would also say, um, de-escalating emotions and maybe tabling a discussion for another day um, because conflict doesn't have to be a bad thing it's just the way in which we respond to the conflict that oftentimes creates the issue so it can be seen as a relationship builder conflict can be a relationship builder yeah and it's inevitable it's gonna happen mm -hmm. you know so we just have to learn how to deal with it appropriately and leave each other space to grow in grace so that you can overcome the challenges that you have. You mind if I add one more thing? Absolutely not. Um, you must keep in mind that communication is a process. Mm -hmm. You know, continue to commit to the process of growing and communicating with one another. And over time, you'll get better. Agreed. Nice job, husband. Thank you. No problem. going to read you a list of 10 listening habits and as I'm reading through each of these I'd like you to be honest with yourself and think about whether or not you may be guilty of committing any of these when you're communicating with others. Number one, I interrupt often or try to finish the other person's sentences. Two, I jump to conclusions. Three, I'm often overly parental and answer with advice, even when not requested. Four, I make up my mind before I have all the information. Five, I am a compulsive note taker. Six, I don't give any response afterward, even if I say I will. Seven, I am impatient. Eight, I lose my temper when hearing things I don't agree with. Nine, I try to change the subject to something that relates to my own experiences. And 10, I think more about my reply while the other person is speaking than what he or she is saying. I thought it would be important for us to explore these different listening habits because our listening habits tend to be indicative of our communication habits overall. So if we are poor listeners, then we also tend to be poor communicators. So if you found that you were guilty of any of these, and I know that I definitely am, um, that's perfectly okay though. That's why we practice. And this podcast is going to offer us some more effective skills that we can implement that would lead us to be more effective communicators.
Let's begin by defining what we mean by communication. So obviously the purpose of communication is that we're trying to convey a specific message. So it's the process of exchanging information. But not only that, but communication is also the process of exchanging feelings between two or more people. And oftentimes we do that either verbally or non-verbally, which are concepts that I'm sure that we're familiar with. But maybe you didn't know that 80% of our communication is actually nonverbal. So oftentimes we place emphasis on the content or the things that we're saying when really the most important part of communication is not necessarily what we're saying, but it's how we're saying it and what we're saying with our body when we say it. So as the saying goes, you say it best when you say nothing at all. So your gestures, your eye contact, your body posture, the tone and the volume of your voice, even the rapidity of your speech, all of these factors are important in terms of communicating a message and feelings to another individual. So what kind of message do you want to send? Is your body language aligned with the words that you're saying? These are important factors to consider when you are trying to communicate effectively. And if you find that they are not aligned, then perhaps that is an area that we can improve in order to resolve conflict and to have more effective communication. I'd like to share with you a concept that was developed by researcher John Gottman. Um, he is a clinician and a psychologist, and he's done a great deal of work around divorce prediction and marital stability. In fact, in his research, he's been able to predict divorce with 91% accuracy. And um, oftentimes this is because couples who are heading toward divorce tend to exhibit specific kinds of communication patterns that are kind of consistent across the board. And these communication patterns, he's identified as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And these include criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So I'd like to talk a little bit about each of these and also provide you some antidotes to these four horsemen that would help you to more effectively communicate in your relationship. I would also like to point out that while Gottman's research is specific to married couples, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I think, can be found in the dynamics of any relationship where there are destructive communication patterns. So any of us should be able to benefit from this information, even if you are unmarried or not necessarily in a romantic relationship, even family relationships. I think this is oftentimes very common. Okay, so let's review these four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first is criticism, and it's very common that we would confuse a complaint and a criticism. A complaint addresses a specific action, whereas a criticism attacks someone's character. So let me give you an example. Um, if I said to my spouse, hey, yesterday you didn't remember to sweep the floor, we agreed we were gonna take turns. That is a complaint. Um, it addresses a specific action. And a complaint isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's inevitable. It's gonna happen in the dynamics of any relationship. However, we do want to avoid criticisms. So same scenario, 
as a criticism would be, you're so forgetful. Why is it that you never do what you say you're going to do? You just don't care. That's a criticism because it's attacking that individual's character and it's moving away from addressing a very specific action. The second horseman is contempt, which conveys disgust. And it can also be associated with really long simmering negative thoughts. So as an example, let's say that your partner ticked you off first thing in the morning on your way to work. And while you're at work, you're thinking about that thing all day long and you're getting more and more upset. And so by the time you see them, you are just about ready to explode and you may even be belligerent, um, which is common because belligerence is a really, really close cousin to contempt. Also, contempt can present itself in nonverbal ways like sneering, huffing and puffing, rolling your eyes, you know how you do. <laughs> um, those are all examples of ways that we show contempt non-verbally. The third horseman is defensiveness. And uh, this typically happens when we perceive that we're being attacked. And so our natural response to that would be to respond with a verbal attack ourselves as a sort of defense mechanism so that we are not being the target of someone's verbal attack. The final horseman of the apocalypse is stonewalling. And this is when you have uh, maybe withdrawn from listening. You've also withdrawn emotionally. So you are refusing to kind of engage the individual that you may be in conflict with. Also, there are some nonverbal cues associated with stonewalling that may include um, no longer making eye contact or turning your back toward the person that you're in conflict with. So again, it's just important to remember um, each of these different horsemen and the nonverbal cues that may be associated with them and to analyze the way in which they may be leading to destructive communication with folks who you are trying to communicate more effectively with. So just some important things to keep in mind. Now that we have a clearer understanding of some of the destructive communication patterns that we want to avoid, I'd like to end by talking briefly about some antidotes or some more effective principles of communication that we can implement. So the first thing that I'd like to challenge us to is to prioritize communication in the dynamics of our interpersonal relationships. It is so important to just have a conversation, to be open to talk. Um, to avoid bottling our emotions as much as possible. And sometimes by prioritizing communication, that means that we are going to run into conflict. But conflict does not always have to be negative. So we just have to practice and learn to be more responsive to conflict and less reactive. Also keep in mind what's referred to as the magic ratio. And this is the notion that for every one negative statement that you say to another individual, you have to say five other positive statements to undo that one. So let's try to avoid negative statements as much as possible. Um, establish and maintain eye contact because again, as we spoke about earlier, so much of our communication is nonverbal. So we also want to be respectful with our bodies. Establish empathy by placing yourself in someone else's shoes. 
Ask open-ended questions. This encourages answers that contain a great deal of information. And of course, the more information we have, the better off we are. Also, practice reflective listening, where you are listening intently, you are paraphrasing and restating what a person has said to ensure that you have understood them correctly. It kind of just allows you to check in and to make sure that the two of you are on the same page. Also, I statements. This is probably one of my favorite um, because it helps to avoid blaming and criticizing another person and it focuses more on your feelings and your thoughts as a communicator without making judgments. So an example of an I statement would be, I feel blank when blank happens, so please blank. So it, again, shifts the attention from that person or the criticism from that person to again focusing on your feelings. Also avoid branching. So stay focused on the issue at hand. Don't go digging up old dirt and talking about issues that are unrelated to the thing that you are currently communicating about, but stay focused. And make specific resolutions to disagreements. So when you're at the end of that conversation with that individual, say, hey, okay, the next time this comes up, how are we going to deal with this so that we can create more effective resolution the next time that we encounter this same issue. As we come to a close, I just want to remind all of us to seek first to understand and then to be understood. The worst distance between two people is misunderstanding. That is all we have time for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Family Plug, a podcast to improve quality and standards of individual and family life. I'm your host, Dr. Lowe, and I've got the plug for you. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at The Fam Plug and subscribe to join me for future episodes. Until next time, thank you for listening to The Family Plug.